y'all it is our third episode it's september the 21st 2015 and welcome back again if you have been listening that was alex isley with labre and i just want to tell you thank you to all those who have listened to the first two episodes welcome to the third one and we have some awesome guests on this evening as well all right y'all our new topic is now knowing your self-worth or knowing one self-worth, whatever way you want to take it or say it, it means the same thing. And um, it's fresh. Every two months, I change the topic, and it'll be something that I think everybody can grow from because we don't just cover the surface. We dig a little bit, okay? So I want y'all to enjoy the digging on this evening. Before I go any further, I just need to give a few quick shout-outs. Mr. Andy Pitts from South Jersey, who is supporting me from day one posting stuff on Facebook for me, you know, just, if I post it, he posted, just being there, sewing into the ministry, I appreciate you, Andy, just know that, when I see you this week, I'm gonna tell you that again, and our brother Darius Hall from North Jersey, uh, he's like a little brother to me, I just want to give him a shout out, because it's his birthday, and because he was the first person that listened to the first episode, outside of me, of Renewed Talk. And so I thank you for your support, your comment on SoundCloud. And I also want to give my last shout out for this evening to Darrell Haynes. He has been a great supporter with my PR and just helping me network. He's just been a good support. And all this love that I'm getting from different people who have started to follow me on SoundCloud. I have friends from Chicago and from New York and from Atlanta. I just want to tell you thank you. All of those who have been listening, thank you. And if this is your first time listening... Take a couple steps back afterwards, you know, when you have a free time, have a free moment, and listen to our first episode and our second episode with uh, Miss Sarah Clink and Mrs. Sylvia Spivey and my good brother Thomas Parker from Brooklyn. I just want y'all to know that every topic uh, is going to be a little different. Every guest may be a little bit different, but at the end of the day, our sense of being on here is to be renewed in the mind and so our hearts can be renewed and then when we walk away and we grow and we go different places people know that we're a little bit older we're a little bit more mature and a little bit more different all right y'all so i want to dive into our topic tonight because 
I'm excited about our guests, okay? Our topic tonight, uh, dealing with our self-worth, I, of course, every other episode, I have a theme scripture, so that's exactly what we're going to, and it comes from Psalms 139, 13 through 16, for you know my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So basically, Lord, you knew me before I knew myself. And so because of that, he it's a thought process. He really thought about us and planned us out and formed us. It takes nine months to make one of us. Sometimes some eight, sometimes eight, sometimes ten. But generally nine months to make another human being. And that means he takes our time in building us. And so in knowing that, I just want to encourage you all and 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 um convince you all. If you if you don't think you're worthy of being here, if you don't think you have purpose, you do. Okay, and sometimes it takes us a little while to find out what our exact purpose is. Sometimes we have multiple purposes of being on earth. But I just wanted you to be encouraged. Um, Psychology Today is a magazine that I studied and talked about that a lot of us view ourselves how other people view us. That's literally where we base the um, definition of who we are. And there's nothing wrong with respecting how somebody else views you if it's positive. But we should know who we are within ourselves. And so I wanted to share this small story. I went to college, high school, and um, I went with some great people, J.K. Sanders, Brian Jackson, Joseph Mackey, Quinzel Weston, and the list goes on and on and on. And when I was with these people, they would call me missionary, literally starting from freshman year. I was about 14. And they called me missionary because I ate old, not because I was in the mission field. And growing from that, by the time I got to my senior year of high school, other people would call me great-grandma. I got to college. Sean Mason called me state mother. People called me church mother. I went to work, and then somebody there called me shepherd mother because they just said I act old. And why am I sharing this story? Because, y'all, if I act old, I act old. But I am not changing who I am based upon the fact that people realize that I act old. I just welcomed it. I just said, okay, y'all, I must act old. I must have a motherly spirit. Whatever. But I don't change who I am. I didn't go buy no drapey clothing. I, I just began to welcome the fact that that was a part of my being. That was a part of my personality. And uh, a lot of times we change who we are. You know, some people, they change their dress based upon what group they're with. Or people change their personality based upon what clique they're with. I need y'all to realize that this episode is for us to realize who we are by ourselves. And whoever you are by yourself... And when you get alone in your room, that's who you really are. Whatever things you struggle with when you're by yourself, that's who you really are. And that's the, those are the things that you really have to grow to overcome. And uh, that's when you realize who you really are in God. When you get in his word and spend some time one-on-one with him, uh, it's good that we go to church. But when you really get to know the word for yourself, then you really know how God sees you. And then you can see yourself in a clear view. It won't be clouded with other people's opinions. It'll be real clear of who you are so this is why this episode is here on today i hope that you grow from it and that you uh are engaged by it so i'm going to ask a question out there i'm just going to throw it out there to everybody and then we're going to discuss it on our little panel discussion not our panel but our little round table discussion my question is is when do we become when do we become comfortable with who we are without waiting or looking for validation from someone else 
And we're we going to have to talk about validation. We're going to talk about all those things. Because a lot of times, we're leery of our self-worth because we're basing who we are off of validate, validation. And we're going to talk about is it good or is it bad. We're going we're gonna to get into it. And we're going to grow from it because it's some good and it's some bad. And Okay, y'all? Before we get to that, though, I want to play some more music. It's this choir called One Voice, led by Kenny Lewis. And they have this song called God Can, and I love it. Okay, it's featuring Ronald Poindexter. And I just want y'all to enjoy it. If you have not heard it, listen, enjoy it. These kids sing <laughs> for days, all right? And after you're done listening to that, Spend some time with us, all right? It's Elaine Janelle on the mic, and we're at Renewed Talk. Thanks for listening. Stay with us, because I'm sure we have much more to share with you tonight.
up? Welcome back to Renew Talk. This is Elaine Janelle on the mic. I hope you're enjoying everything on this evening. We're going to go ahead and get into our discussion about knowing one's self-worth or knowing your self-worth. And I have two of my good friends here on this evening by the name of Pastor Jerome Balmore and Elder Sean Mason. I use their titles loosely on tonight because I want them to just be themselves. But we're going to discuss and relate and talk about things that we all probably have dealt with at some time in our lives. So first, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, tell us where they're from, maybe where they grew up, and uh, who they are now. And then we'll proceed in our questions on this evening. Jerome, you can take it from here. Some call me elder, some call me pastor. At the end of the day, I'm Jerome. And um, I'm just delighted to be on the show tonight with my dear sister and my beloved brother, and whom um, I'm well pleased. And I'm just excited to uh, to enjoy the uh, conversation, enjoy the uh, dialogue tonight. Awesome. Mr. Baltimore, where are you from? From Philadelphia. All right. Morning break. Morning break. That's it. North Philadelphia. <laughs> 22nd and Lehigh. The bricks, you know. I can't. <laughs> and Mr. Sean Mason, you can take it from here. Hello, everyone. This is Sean R. Mason II. I like my full name because it sounds nice. Sean R. Mason II. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, just glad to be here with my sister, Elaine, and my brother, Jerome. It's just good to be here. Um, I'm looking forward to the discussion and conversation. Going right into what we have been discussing, knowing your self-worth. question I uh, asked at the end of my opening was, um, when do we become comfortable with who we are without waiting or looking for validation from someone else? Um, is there ever a time where y'all came to a conclusion that validation was not needed for... To recognize who you are, just as people. And for me, um, I came to that conclusion relatively um, recent, if anything. Um, probably just because of the nature of just growing up in church, growing up, um, you know, always in the quote unquote spotlight, you always try to aspire to be. Um, what people label label you as what you should be, or ascribe to you as to what it is you should be, and uh, it wasn't until recently, when I say recently, maybe about three years, three years ago, that I realized at the end of the day, um, without trying to be too churchy tonight, uh, that it don't matter, you know, as long as you please God and who it is that you are, people. Um, you'll never be able to satisfy people. So once you get to that place, then you understand that the only satisfaction that you can um, that you can uh, bring to resolve is that of God. So, any points ever, Sean? Um, it definitely takes time, and I'm still um, in the growing process of coming into being comfortable in my own skin. And being who I am, like, I don't want to be too church or keep it in church, but 
because that is my background right. um, in church. Generally, you get, you're told that only the anointed people preach, play, or, or, or sing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do any of those three things, you know, you're not really important or you're, you're, you're just there. But I had to um, become confident in, in my own self. Um, and so there came a time where it really didn't matter what other people said. I just had to be comfortable with me. But then on the flip side of that, I think you do need a, a voice. You don't need every voice to validate you. But there has to be a voice that, that validates you. And in a certain way, if you look in, um, I think it's Matthew chapter 3, when um, when God the Father says, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, this right. Jesus you know, gets gets baptized, there's a voice that has to declare mm-hmm. who you are. That, that basically acknowledges who you are, and then it still takes somebody on earth to affirm what God has already said. Right. And so God said, this is my beloved son. And prior to that, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. So you need a, a voice. Right. You need every, every voice, but you need a voice to help you along the way. So sometimes there's um, self-discovery where where you you um, kind of figure out who you are. You, you come in contact or, you know, come to grips with who you are. But then there is, I believe God will send somebody <laughs> to be a, a affir- an affirming voice, you right. know, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. It actually leads to my next question, because my next question, um, for most people who know me, I do like to play devil's advocate every so often. So I like to throw questions that will lead both ways. Um, but my next question was simply like, is validation good or bad? Because I know a lot of times we'll be like, you know, people are very quick to be like, I don't need nobody, like, whatever I say, go, you know. It's my life anyway. It's, it's all about me, blah, 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 blah. You know, the whole YOLO concept, you only live up once. So you doing whatever you feel like is necessary for you. Or I love now how on social media everybody's so consistent on, like, I just want to make sure that I am happy. Everything's make me happy concept nowadays. Um, <laughs> and I'm not against it, but I'm a little bit of a different breed. Just a little bit of a different breed. Because as soon as nowadays everybody gets happy, but... It seems like you got happy once you got into this relationship. And once your relationship fails, happy no longer exists. Like, every, like your, your happiness is now contingent on your moments. Self-gratification, yeah. And I'm over that. Yeah. I'm quickly over that. So because that of that, yeah. That, and a lot of people literally live in it. Um, they live in their right. happiness state, but they're, it's not genuine. It's, it's, it's connected to what's happening in their life. Um, so let me stay on point because I, I can easily direct myself another way, but is validate, is validation good or bad? Because I just feel like it could be both. Brother Baltimore? Um, I, I think that, and it has a lot to do with what Sean was talking about as far as the illustration of the Christ baptism. Um, the validation, it, there's no, I, I don't, this is what I believe. I don't believe that there is necessarily a concept of good or bad validation. I think validation in and of itself is just a simple institution um, from, um, from based from opinion. Now, what happens is responsibility, who you are, your responsibility, who you are, what you do, what you what you what your brand is mm-hmm. has a lot to do 
yeah. with, uh, and your, your validation has a lot to do with that. So what yeah. happens is people can live that your little life, but at the end of the day, they can they can live that it's all about me. But you must understand that with that comes the responsibility of what people say about you from that mm-hmm. from that standpoint. So you can't. So for instance, you can't be. And we gotta take back to church. We all we all church. You can't be a preacher. You can't be a, 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 a evangelist or whatever, and then say it's all about me. I gotta do what makes me happy. Absolutely. You can't, because at the end of the day, your responsibility um, uh, requires certain validation. Right. Yeah. Like it requires because at the end of the day, you can't minister to people if they don't validate your integrity. Right. Right. If they don't see the fact that you can be responsible with your responsibility when you're not in a mic or when you're not in front of people, then you now are you become illegitimate. So personally, you can go to the strip club every week. You have that right to do. But your responsibility at a certain point constrains you from doing that. That's right. true. And that's when that's what well, at least it should you do. Right. Should, right. Least. No, that's Amen to God. Amen to God. So <laughs> I think the, the, the question was is it good or bad? I think that it has to be even to and that you can't uh, you can't strive for validation, but your life has to be validated. Absolutely. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's real good. Right. I think um as 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 he so eloquently stated, um, it, you you cannot necessarily be obsessed with validation and being right. be a crowd pleaser and the people gotta like me and I need that kind of validation. No, but you need validation from somebody that is 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 above you. Every, everything we do, like a, a driver's license, is about validation. Mm-hmm. You know That's true. We're, valid, we're validating the fact that you're able to do this from from a, from a, from a legal standpoint. A ministerial license is validation. That we, that we believe that you've been called to God, and we're licensing you, we're licensing you as an organized body to go forth. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so all that is validation. But when it comes to, um, from like that carnal standpoint, you need people to tell you you're, 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 you're pretty, and you need people to tell you you like did a good job today, and you need people to send you a good morning, beautiful text message, you know, tomorrow morning. <laughs> all that stuff, that that stuff really doesn't hold up. That's um, it, it becomes a drug. Validation becomes a drug. So when it stops happening, you know, you you you, you just get the Joneses and you start, you know, start shaking because you're you're, you're withdraw because you're not getting what you used to get. Right. You know. So it's you have to be careful with with what kind of validation. What is the motive behind the validation? Talk to your motive. Mm-hmm. You know, so I validate you because I want something from you. you. You do something that I like, and so I have to stroke your ego. Right. You know, but then it's also healthy validation from a father to, to his daughter. Where right. he tells his daughter, she's like, I, I, I have two daughters. I call my daughters beautiful every day. Every day they, they, are, they are beautiful. That way, when they get up, God, Lord, please help me. You know, get older, start dating. They don't need a big head boy. To tell them they're, they're pretty and take them to two for twenty at Applebee's, you know, so they can feel good about themselves. <laughs> That's right. Because they have a father right. that tells them that they're beautiful every day. That's true. Without any feelings attached. 
So you, you don't have to hug me because I, I called you beautiful. You know, daddy doesn't want anything. You're my daughter. Amen. Hold on one minute. What's the very last thing you said? Can you remember? Um, you're my you're my daughter, and you're beautiful. That's it. So my love and my affirmation, it, it doesn't have any strings attached. You know, that's basically what I said. I, can I can I add one, one more thing? Go ahead. Um, if you look at it from um, Matthew chapter four, Go when ahead. Jesus goes into, into into the wilderness, and the enemy says, um, "If thou be the Son of God." You know, right. Jesus isn't frazzled because in chapter three, God already said, this is my beloved son. son. Right. So he's yeah. tested in four, but he was already affirmed. Firm, right. Three. So he didn't oh, need anybody hey. to shift him. But you know what that makes me think of when you were, when you were explaining that, number one, you were dealing with the fact that as a father validates their children, that being good validation. And then you reference it to the, to the Bible. So Jesus, he already knew. But then it was affirmed right. to him. So he already, like, without question. Publicly. Right. Yeah. It was affirmed publicly. So without question, he, he knew who he was. Um, I started pondering about this generation as a whole. Do you think that just the generation um, subliminally seeks validation all the time? All the time. All the time. You, you, it, is, it is exemplified. And I even may be guilty of this. But it's, it's, it's exemplified even in what our mainstream platform is yeah. for this generation. Yeah. And that's social media. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so you don't, people won't post anything unless, like, the, okay, the frame, the framing behind social media is for other people to appreciate what you already right. appreciate. About or what you should appreciate. Yourself. Right, right. So now we put it up. And it's all, my picture is only as popular as my likes. Right. And not only that, but there's a, everybody has this unwritten rule that they know you should not post certain pictures at 1 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Why? Because you ain't going to get no likes. So everybody <laughs> has a certain time on when they post the picture. <laughs> Peak time. And everybody. All the time. We wake up in the morning. We check our social media. We check our Facebook. We check yeah. Twitter. We're just driven. And like I said, I may be guilty of it, but we're just driven by this idea of who's looking at me. Mm -hmm. Right. Or who wants to be in contact with me or who wants to be and uh, 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 who can admire me today. Right. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's to, to an extent, it's, it's nice. But I, I need to point that out because it's funny because I don't know that rule. <laughs> I mean, some, some people do. <laughs> so, and plus, I'm a night owl. So, all of a sudden, I'll be like, oh, I'll post a picture, and it's 2 a.m. And it won't be anything vulgar because anybody who knows me, that ain't what you're going to get from this one. Not sure. Not at all. Not sure. <laughs> but but some, some people now, there's some people that do social media, act like they do it behind a certain time because... They're looking for a different kind of attention. That's it. So if you post yeah. that sleepy, sexy-looking picture, then eventually you're going to get that, you know, that, that inbox, that's that right. direct message. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. hey, get your treasure. Hey, beautiful. What you doing? Go to sleep. Right. Uh, it's just an invitation. You know what I'm saying? 
it's invitation for something else, which is another form of affirmation and validation. And so I, I need, like, like social media is the, is, is the perfect example because people take five, six selfies before they post the one that they like. You know, and they check it religiously, even though they have the notifications up, they check it religiously to see how many people <laughs> said amen to the fact that they're pretty. <laughs> just, in case, just in case a light came through that they didn't right. see. Just in case it's, it's flipping. Yeah. And, they, and they, they refresh and they reload and they kill that, put it back up again just in case. You know. I'm laughing for y'all, but this is so true. It's true. It's, it's true. so true. It's so true. And I really think that the lack of fathership amongst uh, our people in general, I hate to be like that, um, because my renewed talk is open to everybody. I'm very open um, on the show. Um, But the lack of fathers and I'll say in the minority community as a whole, I think is what has caused a lot of this to go on. And then people are snapping off in church. This is a side note, but it's on topic. People snapping off in church talking about everything the church doing wrong, what's wrong with this generation, what's wrong with this generational church. But then they, we're not going back to like what caused these problems, why these people are acting yeah, this way. They were out from somewhere, you know. I, I, I'm oblivious and I'm cracking up that people are so like ranting about what's wrong with the church. But like a lot of the problems that are happening in the church and outside of the church is just because of choices that people made. And this has been the results of it. Point blank period. Yeah. But I, I think it's like learned behavior, because I think every preceding generation said that about the incoming generation. Absolutely, this generation don't have no power, and not, so now they're regurgitating that that putrid, poisonous church culture, you know, and put it on us because that's what they heard, and the preceding generation heard that, and every generation gets weaker and wiser, you know. That's so true. Now my grandmother said that just a few months ago. I'm sorry, John. What you say? I'm, I'm just to piggyback on what Vince was saying is that I found that even it's even in an underlying um, insecurity from that commentary. So what happens is the generation prior to has to devalue the generation that's coming behind it. That's good. Um, just to hold on to the present greatness or wow. to hold on to present power. Because if we are to say, or we're to validate good validation, positive validation, if I'm coming behind me, then insecure people believe that that must discredit what I've done. Mm. Right. So if I keep saying that they ain't got no power, they ain't got no Holy Ghost, then I must be, then that means I'm the only one with the Holy Ghost. Right. Well, the problem with that is that the Holy Ghost ain't never been subjected to just one generation. Right. Absolutely. So if, if and I'm going to tell you this, if the chip, if the folk that's coming up behind you ain't got no power, quote unquote, that means you ain't really had no power. Right. Because they become a product of their, their, their right. environment. This is what, if this is what you burped out, that stuff is, is it, it's, um, it's transmitted through, 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 blood, through bloodlines, through spiritual bloodlines. So yeah. you produce a generation of no power, that means our mamas and daddies have no power. Right. And that trait is seen in previous generations. Right. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people, I feel like, this is my personal feeling. I do feel like an aspect of the church world that there are people who will not take responsibility for what, what 
they have done, or even what their generation has done. Um, so then that's a, it becomes that throw-off. That insecurity causes a throw-off moment. And you have people leaving churches, going from church to church to church, because they're trying to figure out, they're looking for validation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're looking looking for... Be looking to be Sean. If you look at when Jesus healed the lepers, he told them to go show yourself to the priests, which was a form of validation because it was the priests who would basically release them back into society and say these people who were not, who were unclean, now they're clean. And so that validation from the church or from the clergy uh, is, is, a, is a biblical historical concept uh, that they can give validation, but sometimes the church mismanages that power mm -hmm. of, of absolution mm -hmm. and things of that nature. That's good. That's true. Absolutely. And what happened, what I, uh, what I think I said is that the preacher, uh, and I talked about this, I actually talked about the preacher, the, the idea and the concept of the preacher this morning uh, when mm -hmm. I was listening, that the job of the preacher, one, he has to be secure enough in and of himself to handle a leper who hasn't been publicly delivered yet. Wow. So what happens is the leper has to come to him in a state of mm -hmm. shady, shady storyline, because right. we're not no one should be here. You shouldn't you shouldn't be in my space. So this is why, and I don't want to I don't want to get too churchy, but this is why it's important that the preacher maintains his integrity because he has to deal with people who are shady. And who has shady storylines. So what happens is, if the preacher himself is shady, whoever is uh, assigned to him, people will try to ascribe them as being uh, inclusive of whatever well, the, mm -hmm. that actual situation is. But the preacher has got to be clean while the person is coming as a leper. That's true. Right? As long as you're, a leper can't absolve a leper. So someone who is clean with authority has to with, clean with authority. That's good. That's clean good. with authority has to has to absolve that particular leper. That comes down to integrity, uh, you know, and not only the uh, a spirit, a spiritual aspect, but even a physical aspect or a natural aspect. You just gotta be. I mean, anybody perfect, but you gotta be clean. Right. Yeah. Nobody perfect, but it does. I'll, I'll say this before we shift on you know, to the rest of the questions, but um, I need—I hope that people who are listening to this podcast remember that when we say that you're not perfect, but you have to be clean, you have to be a clean person, simply a person who knows that they have faults and is willing to do whatever they can to clean them up, to go through, to go through the action of, of being clean and go through the process of being clean. Um, so allowing God to cleanse you and allowing you to fix your wrongs. And um, I wanted to say that because some people are like, well, my life is kind of messy right now. I don't have the potential of being, you know, I am the leper. And I don't see me be, not being the leper. <laughs> yeah. I've been the leper so long, right. I don't see me not being the leper. And it's like there is potential in you having a clean life and being clean, but you have to go back and resolve whatever you had who you have done you have to forgive people um you have to ask for forgiveness 
And once you've done it, you keep it moving. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out perfectly. But you have to do whatever is necessary to do to make sure that after you've done your part, then you can live your, your life clean. Because people are real good for saying they, they changed their lifestyles, but they ain't never cleaned up the mess that they made from before. Yeah, that's right. So you didn't right. change your lifestyle if you never finished up cleaning up the messes that you made. Yeah, it takes a few. Some, some, some things before you learn how to be clean, you have to un, unlearn being un, unclean. Mm-hmm. You know, before you learn something, you have to unlearn, you know, right. if, if your life has been a certain way or, or you've been in, engulfed in like a certain culture or thought pattern, you have to unlearn that stuff to create room and space in your mind for you to learn the new things. And the second thing is when you deal with being clean, it deals with being right, being righteous. And when you're righteous, that doesn't mean you're 100% perfect. Right. It, it really means you're in right standing Damn with God. God. Which means right. You, you, you agree with God. Saying that God, I agree that I was wrong there. Right. I agree that that's wrong. I agree this behavior was wrong. That thought was wrong. So God, I agree. And when you agree with God, that's what makes you righteous. Yeah. And then your faith gets counted for righteousness as well. Right. You know, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted exactly. unto him for right. righteousness. For righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there because you know. Yeah. People throw the word deliverance around. We throw the we throw the word righteousness around. We throw the word deliverance around. We throw the word holy around. And don't nobody nowadays. Uh, one of my friends, <laughs> James Rogers, always says he's like he feels like this generation has a different meaning of holiness than past generations. Yeah. So that would be a nice discussion. <laughs> that would be a good discussion. So even though this is a little bit off topic, in the process of you knowing your self worth, because a lot of people I realize. They end up in these places where they need to be delivered and they need to be set free from because they didn't know who they were. Like, they don't know how much power they have. They didn't know who they were in God. They didn't know their self-worth as a person. So they made decisions and put themselves in different situations, not realizing if I just made better choices about myself. If I have personally made better choices about myself and not just go with my emotions or my feelings, um... And this is why, guys who are listening, this topic is always thrown towards women, but I'd rather hear it coming from a man's perspective as well because women are emotional beings and they're always in their feelings. And it's great, but after a while, I just like it straightforward. That's just how I feel. Um, so because some people are emotional and they're all caught up in their feelings, they make their choices based upon their present moment and their feelings and their choices and their emotions at their present moment. And then you now have created something within yourself that now takes a while to get rid of. So now you become that leper and you don't know how to be clean. And deliverance, uh, yes, some people, they got delivered on the spot. But then for a lot of people, deliverance is a process. And you have to be willing, as Sean Mason said, to become unclean. You have to go through the process of becoming unclean to be clean. It's just not wake up. Don't be fooled. Salvation and sanctification. Right. And salvation has nothing to do with you. Salvation. I I think this still inhabits self-worth because, you know, you really don't know who you are until you come in contact to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So um, salvation has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. That's salvation. Because we accept that. We believe that salvation, sanctification is totally different. Right. And so a lot of times, for those of us who grew up in churchy churches, they would get up and testify and say, I thank God I'm saved and I'm sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and that with uh, burning fire and all this stuff. And we never really knew what that meant. Like, what, you know, what does sanctification mean? 
And so we thought sanctification was you don't you don't wear pants and you wear doilies and you wear suit. He's you referring to women, guys. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the women, the women's wear uh, skirts. Right. You know, and that's what we thought. We thought sanctification was a look, but sanctification is really um, God's divine power with your cooperation. So it's yeah. God's power making you a different person, but with your cooperation, God, God can. You know, you don't just go to sleep. When, when, when you say you're sleepy, you know, your body starts to feel sleepy, but you still got to go to bed. You still got to do. You know, you just don't. It just doesn't happen that way. Some people have to create an atmosphere for them to go to sleep. They got to turn true. the light on. They got to turn the TV on. That's right. That's the thing with the sanctification. In order for me to be quote unquote clean or righteous, I create an atmosphere to... that is is Come in conjunction with the power of God. <laughs> you know, I'm yes, sorry. Sir. No, don't be sorry. I think it was space for this in this episode, point blank period. Um, because I have people are listening from everywhere. I've given responses from different places. And I just need people to know that. I know y'all probably listening. Y'all like, well, y'all got a pastor on the line. You have an elder on the line. I don't really care. It's more so related to our everyday lives and understanding that, as I always say, I go to church because I need help. So I read my word because I need that help. I need that strength. And then I have friends who are like-minded in that sense because then when I am weak, they have words of wisdom and they have the same Bible that I'm studying they got words related to that that can strengthen me. So for those who are listening, that is why I have the people that I have on Renew Talk. Because I need people with that like-minded and who understand the word of God and who want to see people grow and be positive and do positive things in the earth and do godly things in the earth. With me saying all that. <laughs> um... I'm going to ask you this question. This is a little loose um, in its form. But can you be fully proud of yourself without any validation? Now, let me put this clear because we related to our conversation very well to the church and to aspects of ministry. But on a personal level, can we really be proud of your personal lives and your personal self without any affirmation or validation? That's, that's taken more so to the family side. Uh, <laughs> really? Thank you. Right. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, you said in terms, in regards, like your family, it's family, friends. Um, uh, but, but but people whose voices matter, the voices that matter to you. Right. Okay. Um, growing up, it was hard for me because, like, my dad was in the house. I grew up in a two-family home, but my dad wasn't really in, in the church like that. He grew up in church, but over time he fell away, and then. He eventually had a substance abuse problem, so you know he was he was he was like an alcoholic and like real 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 bad. You know it was, it was bad, and so all I wanted was my dad to come to church and hear me play drums. It didn't matter who clapped their hands, it didn't matter who stood up. I wanted my father to walk through the door, you know, and say, "Good job." It never happened, and I'm not really a, a drummer, drummer, but that was something I was doing um, during my teen years, or whatever, right. from time to time. And then over time, um, I, I became more active in preaching ministry. Right. And part of me still wanted that validation from my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad was still addicted to alcohol. Uh, my father passed away five years ago this May. And um, before he died, God cleaned him up. And he was sober for about, for about a year and a half. Wow. And I preached at a service in Harlem, New York. And he got saved that night. Wow. Mm-hmm. So 
that was the affirmation that that's that's I, and my father he was just beaming with pride as I was preaching. So to watch him smile and and, and, and point at people and say that in angel you call me his son. Right. That, that did something for me. Right. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of people or you know or what what fathers like the city say good good things about you. What my biological father said, you 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 really can preach. Mm-hmm. When you're really powerful, that meant the world to me. Right. So I think it depends on the actual person. I think you need somebody to say something. Right. You need an amen corner somewhere. Right. Somebody got got to say something. If you have a child who's learning how to walk, and he's still like my um, my, my youngest son, uh, he'll be two in January, and he was he was a late bloomer and walking, so he would take two steps and fall, but I would clap my hands. Right. And he would get up, and he would take two more steps and fall again, but I clap my hands, and he'd get up and walk again. And so when he made four steps, he started clap clap himself. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because That's like, good. He, he recognizes that he did something. And so because his father acknowledged what, what, what he did, it brought a sense of pride in, in itself. So I That's think you good. need somebody to say something. If you don't have anybody in those those moments, you know, then you have to, as David said, and I encourage, and the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in, in the yeah. Lord. So it, I think it comes in phases. It's good to have the voice that matters say something nice from time to time. But then you have to be strong enough when the voices that matter aren't saying anything mm-hmm. with the absent to cover your own self. Right. Jerome, did you ever have any experiences? <laughs> I don't know what you were just saying. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just asking, did you have any experiences in your own personal life where um, you, you felt proud because whoever it was in your personal life felt proud. So, um, so, my story is a bit different from, from days. Well, this is what it's about on tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, what happens is my, um, my actual biological father died when I was two. Wow. So, I actually really knew that. Um, of course, we got pictures and all that kind of thing. Right. I never had a relationship with him. Um, you know, he was in the streets and doing his thing, and that's that's ultimately what was the cause of his demise. Um, so growing up, I was in a house full of women. Wow. I was full of women, and a family full of women. Um, now I had uncles and things, but they weren't doing anything. But my grandfather, we lived in the house. Um, we lived in the house with my grandparents for a while, uh, and so it was my grandfather. So my grandfather was pretty much the 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 man that I kind of always looked up to and mm-hmm. that he liked literally. I was never told him that, but that's who I wanted to be like. Um, so of course I was always going to church. You know thing? I, I always loved church. I love I love I love playing basketball and I love church. That was it. Basketball, church, and wrestling. So, <laughs> uh, Go ahead, uh, so I would do things, and then it was, and I think it's some kind of, uh, maybe it's a bad thing, I don't know, but it's, it was always good, because, you know, you get my mother, my grandmother, my aunts, oh, you know, you're so great, blah, 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 blah. but I never heard it from my grandfather, so, and that was really the only time, that was the only person that I always wanted to hear it from, mm-hmm. but it was just one New Year's Eve. 
I had been preaching for a while when I came to church, and I was actually preaching that New Year's that watch And he heard me, and just to see him standing up and clapping and getting with what I was saying, pretty much turned turned me around mm-hmm. on the inside. Thank because you. although he didn't have to verbalize it, I could tell by his mannerism and by his, even his expression that he was proud, you know, sitting with a smile, blah, blah, blah. So at the end of the day, just like Mason said, you always need that one person um, that you want to make proud. And what happens is, there's nothing wrong with that. What happens is, the church has done a terrible job. Not overall terrible, let me take that back. But the church has sort of somehow or another mismanaged people who have not had that in their lives. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, growing up, every, especially every boy, every boy wants to be like that father figure. That's true. That's all yeah. That was his first Superman. That was his Absolutely. first Hulk mm-hmm. That was his first everything. So he always wants to pattern himself. And if he does not have that person, he will uh, uh, he will formulate in his mind who he can be like. Wow. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we have lost many uh, many wonders to the streets because they ascribe and they align themselves with the drug dealer who is powerful. Right. They align themselves with the pimp, prostitute, whomever. Because and because at a very tender age they didn't have that person mm-hmm. to speak into them. They didn't have that person to grab them by the hand or put them on the straight and narrow as it were. Or even that person that they can look up to right. and want to be proud. That's right. how you kind of order your steps to try and make them be proud of you. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And what I was actually going to say is, is if anybody listens to this episode and they are a young man or um, they're a man at all, you know, even as older man, heavens and listen, um, if you see anybody in that is in your area, whether it's your church, your community, your family, who doesn't have that support system, just try to at least be there for them. Try to be a listening ear. Um, because I've seen it plenty of times um, where people disregard it. And then there are men who are available. As far as when I say available, there are men who are there, but they're not, they, don't, they don't have the time, they don't have the space. So there are young people, you know, there's young people all over the place who don't have a father. And because that's the way our society has gone. But then you have young people, men or people who are available. And they just don't take the time. Period. <laughs> they don't want to talk and to them. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Even in that, even in that instance, there are some adult men who have never had a robot. They've yeah, never man. had a men. And what happens is, it's not so much, and they'll use, I don't have the time, or I don't have the space. It may be true, but some of it even may be a cop-out because they just don't know how to do for somebody else what wasn't done for them. That's true. And, and a lot of times we have people who got out 
or got from under the, the, the expected demise of their life. But even on the outside of that, they still never had anybody to talk to about. Right. That's true. I know, I know how, about how that is. My dad, um, he wasn't a big, he wasn't big on talking. Right. It was hard because he didn't know who his father was. And so, like, growing up, his mother told him his father died. Gotcha. And then all the while, his eldest sister's father was everybody's father, but he only claimed her. And so he would come to the house and, and buy her stuff and take her shopping and do, do different things, do daddy things with her. And they just assumed that their father was dead. And it wasn't until, I think, about three months before his biological father died that his mother told him that was his father. And so when, you know, that's, that thing is a model for you, it's hard for you to just do it, you know. Certain things are learned behaviors, mm-hmm. and certain things are just natural, just comes, comes natural, but it's, it's, you know, something that has to be modeled in, in, in front of you. So he didn't know how to, um, like, he wanted to be affectionate, and he was affectionate, but he couldn't, he couldn't communicate. Right. It was very hard to communicate. And so he would hug, but he couldn't say, I'm sorry. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was hard for him. Like he, he, he would have come to plays and concerts and, and you know and recitals and things like that because he never saw a man do that. You know, and so it was like difficult for him to you know. And in terms of church, forget about it. Mm-hmm. He had a real threshold problem, so he couldn't come. Literally, he would come to the door of the church and, and would walk away. You know, so it was like that wasn't modeled in front of him. So it was hard for him to... To create to a model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. but I was blessed to have a, a bishop who's been like a father for me. And um, other, some it was like several fathers for me that I could go and talk to right. and speak to a model that, you know, I had my grandfather. I'm still getting my father was, was around, but I, in, in regards to, you know, affirmation, he really didn't validate me until he was almost dead. Right. And for years, he really didn't. He and my mother lived in the same house, so everybody lived, but we really didn't talk, talk until right before he died. And God took him right when we were building, you know, that bridge of, 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 of restoration, you know. And I had a little issue with God about that, if I could be honest. No, I'm glad you're being honest. I'm glad I you're being honest. That, that deals with, even though, like, we have preachers or whatever, we deal with real-life situations. Mm-hmm. Daddy issues, mommy issues, you know. And so I had a real issue with like, why would you take him while we're, we're we're building, you know, trying to rebuild relationship? Right. And then sister and him, they never got a chance to, to make amends. Gotcha. So I, I battle with with the infancy of, of of getting back together when she never had the opportunity. Yeah. So, but yeah, God is good. Can I ask you a question though? With okay. you battling with that. Um, did you ever come to any type of resolve at all, or yeah? What did you um, say to God? That would be my question. I was upset, and I, I just asked God why. I, I've always asked questions because generally we're taught, oh, you 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 can't question God, and God, you know, God don't make no mistakes, and 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 that's true. God doesn't make mistakes, but the Bible never leads us to not question God. That that's nowhere in, in Scripture. Several times over the Holy Writ, if you will. 
people question God. Right. Jeremiah questions God, Moses questions God, right. David questions God, Jesus questions himself. You know, like, mm -hmm. like you know, no, that's real. You know, people question. I, my question was, why would you do that? My father died in sleep from a massive heart attack in his sleep. And so, like, why in the world would you do that? Mm -hmm. And then God spoke to me the day before the funeral. He said, I did not allow him to die the way he lived. Wow. Clearly. He said, I did not allow him to die the way he lived. So I don't know if he would have if he would have gone back to whatever he God delivered yeah. him from. Yeah. And so God took him before he had a chance to make that mistake. So maybe there was, there was so my, my thought process about it is different. Mm-hmm. Maybe like well, I know God has a plan, but maybe that maybe he, he would have gone back, or maybe you know something, something would have happened. But I think he served his purpose, and God took him in the time that God designated to take him. Right. And so then that's right. when I bowed to God's sovereignty as not just a preacher, but as just a believer. Mm -hmm. I've learned how to accept what God allows to happen. Absolutely. I mean, I may not agree. I may Absolutely. not like it. It may hurt, but I accept what the King allows. That's, good. that's, where, that's where that's where that's where faith plays a very pivotal role. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of times I mean, and I talk again, I hate to keep references, but I talked about this morning that um what happens is we need to rebuild our faith back in God while in church. Right. So because it's easy it's easy to come to church and just hear what's going on and not see any real effects within my life so that when my father does die, I can now not only hear that he'll be a father to fathers, but now my faith identifies with the fact that he is my father. My father, right. Now I'm so what happens is the church has got to reestablish um, the basic principle of faith because people need it. Mm -hmm. That's why we come to church. We come to church to build up our faith. Right. For the week. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's it's okay to dance. It's but what's the point of dancing if you don't believe God can work out when you just dance over? Right. Absolutely. That's where the mind comes into it. And the heart. That's what and the heart and you have to believe God can do and mm -hmm. will do. And at the end of the day, just like they said, I trust God enough to go with what he allows. I trust him within his providence. I don't know why I didn't grow up without a father. And for a long time, it, it messed with me because I would see my cousins, I would see my cousins run up to their father and hug them and kiss them. And, anybody ever, and I could never run up to anybody and hug them and kiss them. Wow. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not until I became older that I realized that you have to accept what God allows and because there's a plan for everybody, mm -hmm. and you don't know, you don't know what could have happened and what God right. disallowed by removing and yeah. even sometimes adding. So that's when your faith has to kick in and say, that's "Look, right. if you did it. I trust you. I trust the fact Gotta that be you know what you do." Yeah. Got somebody. Um. Somebody. I, I know uh, uh, a bishop from Seattle. He was saying. Um. He, he was adopted, and he struggled with the fact that his parents didn't want him. Mm -hmm. 
And so he's like, why in the world? Like, 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 what was wrong with me? Like, why? You know, right. why, why God? And he said, God said to him, um, if I kept them in your life, they would have corrupted your, your own destiny. Wow. And so I can only, only, only trust them to produce you. But they could not nurture the gift wow. inside of you. That's good. Jesus. Wow. That's and good. to give wow. you to people who are able to nurture the gift of God that, that you are. Right. You know. The other thing, uh, to piggyback off of what Pastor Barmore said, um, I think we have faith in faith, but we don't have faith in God. You know that, what? That makes yeah. sense. I'm going to clap again because it's the truth. <laughs> huh? that, I said I'm going to clap again because it's the truth. Yeah, well, we have faith in the principle of faith. Faith. The idea of faith. Right. Like, faith is just empty, baseless hope. And and, and I, I, I hope I don't get hit by a car. I hope I don't get fired. I hope we just, it's just an empty, baseless hope, but that's not what faith is. Faith has substance. Right. And it's, it's faith that's in tune with God. We have faith in faith, the idea of faith, but we don't have faith in the ability and in, in the, um, in the, uh, in God's ability, but also in, in the motives of God. You know? Right. And when we trust God's motive, it leads us to trust God's methods. Right. Because we like God's motives. I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts right. Thoughts out of evil and all that pretty stuff. But we don't like the methods of God yeah. to bring us to an expected end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. And, and, and even that, even that. So, uh, I talked about First Kings chapter 17. And when we were in Zerubbabel, the, the widow uh-huh. of Zerubbabel. So what happens is, and this, and this messed me up, because she had a need. The prophet came to her house, prophesied over her resources, mm-hmm. her barrel mill, and her cruise of oil, said it's not going to fail. Right. Her son dies. He raises him back up. That wasn't really what stood out to me. What stood out to me was the last thing she said to him, which was, mm-hmm. now I know that you're a man of God. Wow. Why is it that <laughs> you didn't believe I was a man of God? when I prophesied over your oil and your bill. Right. Why is it mm-hmm. that it had to take something else and something Tragic. different for you now to believe that I am sent of God? And what God told me was that he's now reestablishing the faith in ministry. Mm-hmm. People have lost faith. That's they've true. seen things happen. Like they've seen the barrel of bill and the cruise of oil. She's seen that. She got the word, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, when things really hit home because her son died now, right. it's easy to praise God over the materialistic. Mm-hmm. It's easy to praise God over he's going to give you a new job. Mm-hmm. But when things actually hit home mm-hmm. like it did for her and her son died, that's when she said, now I know right. that thou art a man of God. Okay. And God has to reestablish uh, or we have come to the place where we reestablish our faith in the ministry and in the preaching ministry, in the prophetic, because people have have, have mishandled it and, and mm-hmm. polluted it. So God is bringing a sound of genuine prophecy back to the church and a sound of manifestation when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And your faith has got to identify with that. And you can't stagger with it. And it shouldn't have to take something traumatic for you to mm-hmm. believe what God said. 
But you know what? I think that brings some reasoning to sometimes uh, we are, can be around a situation. We can say, I wonder why this happened in that order. I wonder why it happened like that. Like, because I was, I always was intrigued by the story, the fact that he came, they were fed. <laughs> the, the prophet was fed first, and then they were fed. That in itself was a miracle. But yep. it seems like, and she's, I guess, as you say, the Bible gives different examples of regular people in the world. So it's still, she's another example of somebody else who's on the earth right now, and God already showed them a miracle, but they still right. don't believe. Right. It, to, it has to take right. something to a whole nother level. And then when I said people around the situation can wonder why something goes that way. Why does that person have to go through that? Or why did this death happen like that? But you never know what the person who's who's in it, whose father, mother, sister, brother, it may be that changes or shifts their faith. Or what happens, if, you know, even after the funeral, after everything's said and done, then what begins to happen in people's lives right after that? Um, right. It, it relates because we do. We we often ask questions and we like, hmm. And I think our faith in God has to be assured. And we always say it's a sure foundation, but it ain't sure until you go through some stuff and you realize how sure it really is. Faith ain't faith until it's been tried. That's wow. right. That's good. That's good. Your faith has got to be proven. Right. In times, in, in times where you can be shaken. Right. Guys, we are actually going to wrap it up. We have been on for probably almost an hour. <laughs> and uh, uh, you have us on for part two because you know we just you know we just got into the list. We just getting started here. I know you are. <laughs> this thing was good to me. It, it's good, and I love the wisdom and. Um, I really do pray that people who are listening to these episodes really favor in hands. My my people who I know don't go to church or stop going to church or really question believing in God. Renew Talk is for you. When I created Renew Talk, I said, Lord, I want it to be created for the world and not just for the church. So I want people who go to church to listen. Don't get me wrong. But I really want souls to be drawn. Because some people, they were once there and life happened and they changed their minds. Life happens. Life happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it will Life shift happens. your thinking. And um, I think it's necessary that we be open so that people can come back. It's necessary right. that we be transparent enough, not too transparent, but transparent enough right. to draw people yeah, back. So. Yeah. I like that notion. <laughs> Can be you can be transparent, but not 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 be um it cannot be exploitational, right? Because there's a difference between yeah. self expression and self exploitation. That's right. A very fine line. Mm -hmm. And some and literally, for those uh, who probably been like, oh, that's deep. It's really this the simple aspect of talking too much. Right. <laughs> right. Some people Absolutely. get up and they talk too much, and that's literally. The fine line between self-expression and self-exploitation. Because you get up and you start talking too much. Or you get around people and you start saying a little too much. A little um, too much. And a little too much. I like to say, I like to say you have to find the common ground between 
uh, being transparent and translucent. Yeah, that's good. You can transparent, but you better not be translucent because right. at the end of the day, people will use what you call a testimony as a uh, 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 try to toehold you. Right. Yeah, man. Where you where they would have never known you were mm-hmm. if you Everybody can't handle your, your 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 full testimony. No. Everybody can't handle it. Everybody is. I better. I'd rather you be Based led by the Holy Ghost and tell it in pieces, because you tell it to the wrong person, and that's it. Nah. And people want to know. People want to know if your testimony is really your testimony, or if that's your current state of mind, because the right. testimony has to be an overcome situation. Hello. And if they and if they and if they think that they see rest, you're done. You better believe it. You're, you're done. You're toast. <laughs> You're finished. You're finished. I'm going to say this and I'm going to leave you. I'm going to stop talking. For me, I was And the Bible introduces Elijah as the Tishbite. The question is, uh, where was Tishbite? Come on here. Come on. Geographers don't pinpoint where Tishbite was. That's right. Some say it was in Gilead and other cities in Naphtali. But at the end of the the blessing is you don't have to know where my tishba was just knowing I'm coming out of tishba. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Then better know that I'm out of where I was. was. Tishba means captivity. Mm-hmm. So not only was I there, Jesus. but there had me at one time. I'm so, sending you times. Because <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tell y'all what you said. I'm trying to tell you. You heard it here first. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, renew talk. I'm using it. Just say amen. Y'all, oh my Lord. This is what happens when you get preachers together. People wonder why them preachers been sitting over there in that diner all that time. This is what happens. Oh, it's not, it's not, <laughs> this is what happens. But I'm going to close out. Um, I hope that anybody who is listening on this episode of A New Talk that you realize that your self-worth has to, be, has to be found in God and that you as a person cannot. Everybody, I'm going to go back to one of the first things ever said on this episode, you don't need many voices. You just need a voice. And I believe that if you get a relationship with God, he will provide the one voice that you need. He'll be your spiritual voice, but he'll provide a physical voice that you need to help validate you and to push you into where you belong. Um, and living a fulfilled life. Because that is the purpose of our conversation on Renewed Talk, is to help people live fulfilled lives. Um, So I just want to encourage anybody who's going through anything out there, just know that you can still hold on to God, because He is holding on to you. As I said to somebody not too long ago, I preached. Um, God is holding things together for you. So if you think that your life is falling apart, just know that he still holds some things together. Because when you think everything could have fall, fell apart, just remember that it could have been worse. So he's still holding yes, everything together for you. Um, I'm actually going to ask us to pray out. I do prayer at the end of all of my new talks. Um, so any, many, mighty mo. <laughs> you said Paul Moore. Since I started off first, Paul Moore, go right ahead. Oh, come on, Paul Moore. That's right. I said Paul Moore. Father Jesus, thank you. Thank you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness. 
first of all, we thank you for the uh, for the idea and the ingenuity to come together for this podcast. God, I thank you uh, for the idea to come and to dialogue about things that happen in real life, things that actually affect the people of God, especially within this generation. God, I thank you for the visionary of this dialogue, of this podcast, of this venture. God, I pray now that you bless everything that our hands set out to do. God, every podcast and every person that's listening, God, I pray now that you begin to build up their self-esteem. God, you be the voice for them. If they don't have a voice, you be the voice. If my mother and my father will forsake me, then the Lord will raise me up. But there may be someone who comes across this who decides that they want to listen and understand that they've had some issues within their own self-esteem and their own self-worth. Now we pray a special anointing on their listening ears tonight that they begin to understand who they are and how great they are in God. God, you have never made a slacker. You have never created a failure. It's the enemy's job and his system to try and convince us outside of the things of God. But today, God, we pray a special blessing on this podcast and this dialogue. Cause it to germinate in somebody's spirit. Every person that has taken place and, uh, and taken part of this conversation, God, I pray now that you bless them many do. Bless them, bless them, bless them in the city and bless them in the Supply every need, even on tonight. In Jesus' name, we love you. We count it to be done. Amen. Amen.